Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of the Ike and Sam show. My name is Ike, that is Sam Down Under. I am up here in the United States of America in the upper left-hand corner, also known as Portland, Oregon. And this is episode two of the Ike and Sam show coming back to you live again. Very happy to have you all back. And Sam, always great to see your face. How are you? And you, mate? Yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm good. How have you been? Uh, loving life. It was a great weekend of sports. A lot of action, a lot of tips and turns, twists and turns, all of that good stuff. So uh, I know our audience is eager to hear our thoughts and opinions on all of these things. So uh, what do you say? Should we just jump right into it? Well, you're talking twists and turns. Let's talk Formula One. I love that. Yes. Formula One, the inaugural Jetta Grand Prix, uh, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, brand new track, uh, was just completed, actually, I feel like a couple of weeks before the the entire event, which is kind of crazy, but uh, a track that is not only the longest in all of the Formula One calendar, but also has the most turns, and I think provided the most action of any Formula One race this entire calendar year. And probably in the last couple of years, I mean, I haven't seen a, I feel like Singapore back in like 2018 when it was pouring down rain and like Kimi Raikkonen was still with Ferrari took out like Verstappen and Ricardo and all of those guys. I mean, that race was crazy, but this race was just on another level. It, uh, yeah, it really was. I was concerned that it was going to be four hours down the line and we were still going to be 20 laps away from the finish. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and there'd be four cars left. <laughs> just, there's just no room. For, there was no room for error. No, there really isn't. All. Yeah. So to, to kind of lay, lay the ground for those that may not have seen the, seen the race or just don't really know what we're talking about. So this track is called Jetta, um, kind of like a star Wars moon, I guess is, is what you could kind of refer it to, but Smart. it is, Love that. uh, <laughs> It is a uh, it's a street circuit, so it's super narrow. Uh, so there's really no room for overtaking. There's a ton of turns, as I mentioned, pretty long straights. I mean, it's really really fast. I think if anyone is interested into hearing like what we're talking about, head over to YouTube and check out not only the race highlights but like just what a lap of this looks like because it is absolutely bonkers. Um, it was a total of two red flags. A red flag meaning that the entire race has to stop. Uh, because of either debris on the track or barriers have to be replaced, uh, in which case both of those two things happened for this race. Mick Schumacher was the first guy to crash out, caused a red flag, which was a little sus. I didn't really think that they needed to have a red flag um, for that one. And then there was a second one for uh, debris, just uh, kind of with other collisions that came through and they needed to... uh, to obviously stop the race to clean everything up. And then I think there was probably another three virtual safety cars from there on out just for, again, more debris and stuff like that. I mean, it was just, it was a hectic race from start to finish. Yeah, it went from being what was meant to be the fastest Grand Prix uh, to the longest. Yeah, easily. So by the time there's two red flags, there was two virtual safety cars, a proper safety car. Um, it took forever. Mm-hmm. It really did. Yeah. But yeah, I sort of disagree with that first red flag. I think that was the corner all weekend where there'd been crashes. Mm-hmm. So with there being damage to that wall, probably just needed to be fixed because if someone was going to go off again, the chance of them going off there was pretty likely. For sure. So I think, but they should have said it straight away, not three laps into a safety car. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can see that as well. Um, 
and then there was obviously quite a bit of drama. I think it was about lap 37 um, on the on the lap before that. Or rather, I should say lap 36. There was a scrap between Hamilton and Verstappen. Verstappen was leading the race um, and is also or then was leading the uh, world title uh, championship. And Hamilton passed him. And then Verstappen kind of took an unfair advantage, went off track, came back and uh, kept in first place maintained first place and then was given team orders uh, by by his team to let Hamilton obviously take the place back. Hamilton is following behind Verstappen. Verstappen has this kind of weird on the gas, off the gas, uh, on the gas again, and then really does hit the brakes. We were just kind of talking about this before the show and and the telemetry does show that. I mean, he, he pretty much does brake check Hamilton. So the result is Hamilton crashes into the back of uh, Max's car. Uh, not bad enough to retire either one of them, but Hamilton does have a uh, broken front end plate on the right side of his front wing. Not the end of his race, thankfully for him. I feel like he really did luck out for the type of impact that he would have had. And same thing to Max, because he could have easily had a puncture. So both of them could have come into the pits, but they didn't. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Hamilton wins. Verstappen does get a penalty, ends up being two penalties, as well as some points on his driver's license, which is never a good thing. But quite the race wasn't it yeah i mean it's i've not been watching formula one for years probably only two years and that that's the most intense race i've seen um by far you know there's there's usually a crash or two but this was an amalgamation of, of crashes and you know flags overtakes re-overtakes overtaking off uh off course and just drama i mean the reason I've got into it, as a lot of people do, is Drive to Survive, and I'm so fucking excited for that episode of Drive <laughs> to Survive. They're going to make it seem like an absolute Hollywood showpiece. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's going to be great. Yeah, no, that it, it really is. I, man, I didn't even think about that when I was watching the race. That, That's going to be so good. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be a shit hot season to Drive to Survive. Yeah. No, it really it's is. Really fun. And Max isn't even going to be taking part in this upcoming season. He removed himself. So we're not even really going to hear his side of things. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's still here. Christian Horner, you still get the principal. For sure. He loves it. Yeah. A little. I, I'm really excited to see how Toto and uh, and Christian Horner, Toto Wolf, uh, team principal for Mercedes, Christian Horner, team principal for uh, Red Bull Racing. But those two. I think have a mutual respect for each other that's kind of degraded over this season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd still say there's respect there. I just think they fucking dislike each other. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, there's always respect. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. They, it means you're good. Yeah. It means you're good. It means they're good, exactly. And so to set the scene, this was the penultimate race going into uh, Abu Dhabi, which has traditionally been the last race of the year. Uh, and... Max and Lewis are tied on points exactly 369 and a half points going into the very last race. So whoever finishes ahead of uh, the other, uh, that'll be it. So there is, you know, this is something that I need to figure out. And I think we kind of talked about, but uh, there is a chance that neither of them score if they both, you know, I obviously. I figured it out. Oh, did you really? Out. Oh my gosh. We need yeah. to, okay, lay the ground. So if Verstappen and Hamilton both crash or retire cars mm -hmm. Verstappen will win as he's had more wins this season oh okay I would do you... so he's got nine wins Hamilton's got eight. Oh, gotcha 
so he will he will win. He, However, he would take it. what I was thinking was before he got those two points on his license, I was thinking he's just going to take him out. Why not? Yeah. First corner, you'd say they're going to be one and two on the grid either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's one point away from from quite a significant points penalty, I believe. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So if he causes something or does something wrong, mm-hmm. I believe he has points taken away. Oh, gotcha. Which will hand Hamilton the win. So it'd be interesting to see if they send Perez on a mission. Mm, mm-hmm. Or Val- call him the yeah. Or Valtteri for the same same reason. Yeah, exactly. Uh, plain plain support staff there. Um, anyway, a great great week coming up next week with that last race. I think we're um, all excited to see how that goes. Mercedes pulled forty points ahead of. Red Bull in the constructors as well with Perez not finishing, having to retire, mm-hmm. uh, being caught in one of those crashes mm-hmm. with Charles Leclerc. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, fantastic. Can't wait for it. Definitely going to stay up and, uh, yeah. And enjoy that Might one. have the day off work. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Pull another sickie like we did last week, did we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, Big time. love it. Talking to sickies, did you pull a sickie after watching the Timbers play? I uh, thankfully did not have to. Uh, it was also Good. a so not only was it a Saturday, but it was in a way company sponsored because of company tickets. Um, so shout out to Sports Management Worldwide for supplying four tickets to to myself and my family. Um, great guys. Yes, great great people. But um, yeah, that was insane. So it was the Western Conference Finals being hosted here in Portland. Portland played uh, Real Salt Lake out of obviously Utah. Uh, and Real Salt Lake had been on the road for all of their playoffs and had won every single game, uh, which they took Seattle in Seattle and then they beat Sporting Kansas City, obviously in Kansas City. So they were no slouches to playing in hostile environments. Um, and as much as I dislike Seattle, I almost really hate to give them credit for anything, but their fan base is pretty good. Uh, and I will say the same thing to Sporting Kansas City. So it's all to say that Real Salt Lake just did their jobs that much better. However, uh, Portland came out even with two of their best attacking pieces, arguably their two best attacking pieces in terms of Sebastian Blanco lost to injury and then Dyrone Espria on a red card suspension. Um, and Portland not only pitched a shutout, uh, they also scored two goals. So it was it was a 2-0 win, 2-0. Uh, the first goal came in the fifth minute of the game. You hardly were in your seat with your beer in your hand by the time they scored, which was always so much fun to see. And then the the second goal came in the 60th minute from the new signing, Christian Mourinho. Uh, and it was his first goal in MLS and obviously the first goal for his Portland Timbers career. So big, big moment to, uh, to score your first goal for the team and and uh, in, in your own kind of uh, career in the league. So, I mean, clinical. I think it sets up very well uh, for the matchup, which is going to be against New York City FC. They play today in Philadelphia. Philadelphia had, uh, I think, like 10 or 11 players out due to COVID and or injury. So they were pretty hampered. Philadelphia was the home team. Uh Tied at halftime, kind of a really, really even game. And then uh, what ended up happening is that uh, New York City FC ends up scoring their uh, an own goal off of their own defender. So they're down 1-0. It's like the 59th minute. 90 seconds later, come back, score, level of the game. And then the 87th minute, right before stoppage time, go up 2-1, win the game. 
uh, set up their first ever Eastern Conference Finals uh, win. It's the first time they've ever won the East. First time, obviously, then they're ever going to the MS Cup Final, which will be uh, this coming Saturday, a week from today, uh, December 11th at noon Pacific in Portland. I, as well as I'm sure many of my family, will be in attendance for it. Very, very excited. Uh, it's going to be absolutely insane. So I'm going to be extremely hungover on Sunday, so I won't be watching that Sunday morning. <laughs> what do you wait? What do you have going on Saturday, or is it just a normal Saturday? Uh, Saturday, probably the biggest sporting event in Australian calendar. Oh no! Um, what is it? All right, what do we got? So, my mates and I—I I say my mates—it's a group of about twelve Englishmen and twelve Australian guys, and we all get together and play a uh, play a cricket game once a year. Um. So cricket being the national sport here and built in England, it's, it's full of rivalry. Um, but it's also full of, of beer bongs, Jaeger shots, uh, and the rest. It starts early, starts 8 a.m. You know, it's a, it's a big day. It's a really big day. So I'm excited. I love that. Is that I've been involved wait in Wait a second. It. Hold on. So is this like the equivalent of playing like pickup football with your family, but this is like a lot of higher stakes because there's kind of some cross-continental rivalry? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, cross-continental rivalry. Everyone's fueled up on about 30 beers and half a bottle of Jaeger each. <laughs> um, we haven't won it in five years, the Englishmen, so we've been having some training sessions. Mm. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it, but it's, it's a great day. I mean, we all go for a big group breakfast at the beginning, so sort of 20, 25 of us, and we have some beers and some champagne at that. Mm. And then we all we all go meet at an oval and... Um, yeah, everyone dresses up and wears all the colors and this is a great day and we'll we'll go out afterwards and celebrate as well which would be great i love that but yeah it's 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 the ultimate day in australian sport <laughs> i'm sure it gets uh national media attention it's on every channel oh, big time. yeah all big of time. that everyone wants to see 25 middle-aged men drinking beer and not being able to play a sport anywhere near <laughs> as well as anyone else <laughs> To me, that sounds wildly entertaining. I I don't think you all should discount yourself. That is, yeah, that sounds fantastic. I'm thinking about buying a GoPro this year and live streaming it. Oh, yes, you should. Oh, my gosh. Wait, like a chest cam or would you go like full head cam? Both. Both. I love it. Just be kitted out. Yeah. That's actually a great idea. Do it for the content. It is. Yeah. It'd be great content. Yeah. No, it really would. Um. Wow. So how long does like a traditional game of this last? What I mean, do you guys play to like so 25 is, or what is it? Yeah. So this is um, what they call a 2020 tournament. Mm, so mm-hmm. 20 overs and over in cricket is one bowler or a pitcher mm-hmm. um, pitching the ball six times. So it's six slots of 20. Okay. So it goes for about an hour and a half each side. Mm-hmm. So the game will go for around three hours. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, it's not. No, this is this is a short, condensed game. It's high scoring, a lot of excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good game to get you into cricket. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you should watch last night was the opening of the Big Bash League, which is the Australian League of Cricket. Oh, okay. Um, and that's a, that's a twenty twenty tournament. So it was um, the eleventh year of that this year. It's actually the highest watched. Um, 2020 league in the world apart from the Indian Premier League which started wow that's yeah. huge so it's, it's a big deal um, so that was Sydney Sixers versus uh, the Melbourne Stars last night opening game 
Sydney Sixers are the reigning champions, and they absolutely demolish the Melbourne Stars. Really? Like, embarrassing. Oh, God. Embarrassing. That bad. So, a pass score is about 160 okay. in your 20 overs-ish, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. give or take. The Sixers hit their highest ever score of 213. <gasps> And they managed to bowl the Melbourne Stars out for 60. No. Which is horrendously low. Oh my so gosh. not only is that the Sixers' highest ever score, it's the competition's highest ever margin. So 152 run deficit That's lost. That's huge. It's embarrassing. That's, it's, it's, yeah. it's bad. They were undermanned, but they've got international players in that team. Um, and they just... It looked like they were playing the under under elevens. It was bad. <laughs> it just it was just bad. a whole. It's literally just men versus boys out there. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah, it was it was shocking. That's I turned it insane. off as soon as yeah. It you could tell it was game over immediately. Wow. So does that is that just like I mean it's obviously a skill deficit between the two teams, but I'm just trying to comprehend like how can you field a team one that is that good but then also like that is that bad that's almost impressive. It's one of those things this form of cricket it takes a hell of a lot of skill. Mm. It does. Mm-hmm. But if one or two things goes wrong for you it is very hard to get back into the game. Oh. So Sydney going and putting that amount of runs on the board mm-hmm. means that Melbourne has to come out and play way more aggressive than probably what's in their wheelhouse to stand a chance of making it. And in doing that, they've lost early wickets. So batters have got out and you can't recover. And you just can't recover. Yeah. So that's uh, in, in 2020 cricket is an effort to obviously kind of make the game quicker, just kind of naturally make it a lot more exciting. So that's, that's the detriment of what you give up. Like you, if you're down early, it's like playing a football game in only two quarters. You know, it's like, you just can't come back from that big of a deficit that quickly. It's very difficult. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great game. It gets a lot of people into the sport. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the shortest format of the sport. It ranges from three hours, as I've said, to five days. Um, is the longest format of that of that game. I'd, so five days. What is that? Those, those are test match, right? Test match. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just crazy. So five days at a maximum. It can finish between then two innings each team mm-hmm. um, at, at the maximum. And uh, yeah, it's my favorite form, mm-hmm. um, just because it it really highlights how skillful the guys are. Mm. Um, but. I can completely understand if you don't love the sport, it is difficult to watch. Yeah, I I would fully agree with that. As, as someone who traveled, obviously, and lived in Australia for, for a couple of years, cricket was without a doubt, like, the hardest sport that I was introduced to, to, like, try and get into. That was, it was just so, it's so nuanced. There's so many little things to have to, like, try and look for. Versus, you know, like rugby or Aussie rules football and stuff like that. Like there's not as much to, there's a lot more kind of like transferable skills between that and like American sports. And then cricket, the closest thing is baseball. And it's not even like, it's really that close. No, there's a bat and a ball and that's the extent of the similarities. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But wow. So where, where do you think the, the season goes from here? Obviously it just opened up and you know, there's that huge thrashing, but what's the prediction? Um, the Sixers are going for a three-peat. Okay. So this Sydney team, they they look pretty good. They look hard to beat. 
The good thing for them as well is they don't have a lot of guys in the Australian test team, so they're going to keep a lot of their best players. Um, Melbourne are going to lose a few of theirs. A lot of play- a lot of the good teams will lose a few of their best players as well. Um, they're the team to beat, but it's it's too early to see. There's a lot of young guys that are getting a go. It's too early to to judge how they'll be able to um, step up. Interesting. Okay. Um, and and to kind of quickly tie it back into something that we I think had brought up in a previous episode about the kind of controversy surrounding the Australian mm. men's cricket team. What's kind of been the update yes. on that? What's what's the word? So, yeah, I think this was in the first episode that we didn't actually air in the end. Mm. Um, the Australian cricket captain was caught up in a bit of a scandal. Um, it was actually four years ago. I feel a bit sorry for the guy that's resurfaced. Um, he was caught sending um, sexual text messages to someone who worked within the organisation that he worked for. So he was playing for Cricket Tasmania and he was, um, yeah, having sort of a, what would you call it, text message affair yeah. on his wife, his three kids, um, ended up sending a picture of the old the old major <laughs> um, to, to this chick and, yeah, had some pretty grim messages that he sent to her. Mm-hmm. At the time, it got discounted. They said it was consensual, um, but it's just, just risen up again. So he st- last time I spoke to you about it, Ike, he'd stood down from being captain. Right. But he'd said that he was still wanting to be in contention for selection for the Ashes, for this tournament between Australia and England. Since then, he's withdrawn from contention, and he's also withdrawn from playing cricket for Tasmania, which is his state, due to mental health reasons. Oh, So he's taking a big step back. I dare say he's just going to value some time with his kids and his wife. It's probably not a nice time for them either, um, having all that resurface. Mm -hmm. The kids are going to be more aware of what that means, you know. Daddy, why did you send your penis to that chick? It's probably a, a fun conversation for him to have, and he probably doesn't want to be representing the country while that's happening. No, something tells me that he doesn't doesn't really want to be doing that. That yeah. is a conversation I don't think it really anyone wants to have, no matter if you're on the sending no, I can't or imagine it's up end. there. No. 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 Definitely not. Definitely not. No, definitely not. Well, uh, that is a very good update. Uh, something that I think will all be honestly pretty fascinating to uh, to watch. But let's kind of transition back uh, to something that we were kind of talking about uh, earlier with the NFL slate. So, uh, big big weekend of NFL football again, obviously. Um, and I I think this is something that was very exciting, which was the the fact that the Detroit Lions won their very first NFL game. Uh, that was huge. Uh, massive. Yes, massive. Uh, the Texans got blanked 31 nothing against the Indianapolis Colts, and your Miami Dolphins pitched a hell of a game uh, against the neck Mike Glennon. Uh, beat him 20-9. I mean, that is just awesome. That defense is really just coming back. Um, the game I was personally able to watch was the uh, was the Bengals-Chargers game, just because we're in that market. Um, and Justin Herbert was back to his old self. Uh, put up 41 points and, I mean, threw for just a ton of yards. Um, and let's see, he had 30, uh, excuse me, three touchdowns, one pick, 317 yards, uh, and just looked great. Um, and then there's someone that you wanted to highlight, and it's more of a low light, but it's a great question. What is that question? Yeah, I mean, I do want to touch on Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just wonder if Jacksonville still think he's the guy. I know we're only, what, 13 rounds in. You know, he's only had 13 starts, but he averages a little over 50% completion. He's got more interceptions than touchdowns. More than that, he's not even averaging... He's averaging 200 yards a game or less. He's had multiple games under 150 yards mm. where he's not even running. And just this is, a, this is a weird game for me, the, the one that they've just completed. I mean... 145 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 10 yards on the ground. It's just a bit of a... Ugh. It, yeah, it's you, it, it's a bit of a dud, isn't it? I'd rather see 250 yards and two touchdown, uh, two interceptions, knowing that he's trying to force the issue. They've lost 37-7. Mm-hmm. But what's he, it doesn't look like he's tried to do anything about it. Yeah, no, he he really hasn't. And so let me ask you this. It's It's two questions. One... How much of this do you put on the supporting cast around him? Because Trevor, while he is playing the most important position for any NFL team, I mean, he's got an offensive line that has to be blocking for him. He's got receivers that have to be catching passes, and he's got running backs that have to be pushing the ball. So, and he's got to have a competent head coach that knows what he's actually doing and talking about and not to say that urban meyer doesn't know football but he seems to like the bar better than he does you know the locker room so i'm just kind of curious on your thoughts of that like how much of this is really on trevor lawrence do you think i don't think a hell of a lot well a good amount but you look at i'm looking at their rushing attempts now they've not even tried to rush the ball 20 times so if you know it's not working through the air, I mean, you got someone like Carlos Hyde back there, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. I mean, I I think Urban Meyer sucks. He's, he's, he's Tell me how been you touted really as one of the best, and he's and he's just he's come in, and as you said, no one likes him there, Mm-mm. players included. Yep. So maybe maybe it's that. So maybe it's GM GM's fault. Maybe he just needs to take a hard line on Urban Meyer and say, you know, what, let's. Let's give the guys someone who they want to play for. Mm-hmm. They don't want to play for Urban Meyer. Right. It doesn't seem like they do. No, not at all. I, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of this, a lot of it can be put on Trevor Lawrence for sure. I mean, I, I agree with, with that kind of mentality. Um, I just think that that's like, you could put pretty much anyone, any quarterback that's a rookie or like a second, maybe third year starter on that team. Like, for example, you could put, you could put, um, Justin Herbert on that roster, and I think they would still probably lose like 37 to 14 or like 17, maybe. I mean, I just don't think that Trevor, I don't think the supporting cast is good enough to win football games with or without Trevor Lawrence. No, yeah. no. And uh, looking at some of the stats now, you know, James Robinson's been targeted four times, he's caught the ball once. That's detrimental to stat lines, mm-hmm. but. Then again, then you say offensive line, why is he having to check down right. that many times to a running back? Yeah. You know? Um, so, I, I mean, I think he's lackluster to what people thought he was going to be because people thought he was going to come out and throw 400 yards and five touchdowns a game. For sure, yeah. Because he did that his whole career. Yeah. He's done that from high school. Yeah. Um, so I think people are just a bit confused at the moment, myself included. I still thought he'd come out and, and look better than he has. I I agree with you. And I think, you know, I and again, I think that's what really kind of brings that question of like, okay, is this really Trevor Lawrence, like not getting the NFL level of football? Or is this more so like, 
coaching and the support staff and that kind of thing. So that's a question that will obviously be answered in time, but I'm going to give the kid credit. I think we all do. It's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fair question to ask, obviously, but um, yeah, I, I'm not certainly ready to write him off. Um, but if he struggles this much by like, you know, halfway through mid, uh, halfway through year two, or even, you know, into year three and stuff like that, then you can really start asking that question of like, okay, is he a bust? Yeah. I mean, just looking at more stats, they've, they've almost had the ball for as long as the Rams have. Wow. You know? and, and, and they've struggled to put anything on the board. Mm-hmm. So total yards, 197 to 418. Mm-hmm. And that, and the Rams had the ball for five more minutes. Yeah, that's that's just incredible. And, and to give the Rams credit, obviously, I mean, they have a Hall of Famer in Aaron Donald and then Von Miller and then Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, on, on each each level of the defense. So it's not like he had an easy task, he being Trevor Lawrence. But not an easy day for him at all. For sure, yeah. Not an easy day. No, I, it was, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at like the total plays, um, LA had 66 and Jacksonville had 55. So exactly to your point of like, you know, uh, time of possession, stuff like that. To only run a, 11 fewer plays, but to also lose by 30 points, like that's, yeah, it's it's bad. Um so not good. And I think, you know, the other thing to highlight is like um, really all of the rookie quarterbacks have been struggling besides Mac Jones. And so like how much is Mac Jones's success putting the other rookie quarterbacks at a detriment? Because I think you if you put Trevor Lawrence in a Bill Pelichick system or any of the rookie quarterbacks drafted in the first round, I think all of them would excel or at least a lot more than what they're doing now. So Mac Jones, without a doubt, obviously landed in the best scenario and in the best coaching system. So, to I mean, in your opinion, like how much do you think that's really affecting the conversation around these rookie quarterbacks that are either starting Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, or are and um, Justin Fields when he's not injured, or you know, like Trey Lance and stuff like that? I mean, do you see that as kind of a problem? For sure. I mean, it's hard to. It is. I I know everyone does, but I think it's hard to judge these guys compared to each other because, as you've said, they've got entirely different systems around them, different coaches, different playmakers. Um, But I don't think New England, by any stretch, has the best offense out of all of those new quarterbacks. Mm -mm. Um, So is it the Bill Belichick factor? Sure, probably. Um, But it's more impressive because everyone discounted him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's gone, oh, Mac. Yeah. yeah. All right. Mac Jones. Yeah. And he's come out and he's played really well. I don't think he's played the socks off it, but he's played really well. For sure. And everyone's gone, shit, it's Tom Brady point two because no one believed in him yeah. when he first came out. Exactly. So it's, it's awesome because you've got what looks to be an absolute stud mm-hmm. for a steal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at the 15th pick. I mean, he's no sixth round 199, but still, in, in the modern day of football, getting... getting when a, you look at who went before him, is it still? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, getting a, a highly potential franchise quarterback in the 15th pick is like, okay, where did everyone 1 through 14 go wrong? Um, and I think that's what... I think that's what's going to haunt the other four quarterbacks that went ahead of Mac Jones for the rest of their life. In the same way that Tom yeah. Brady, you know, and, and Tom Brady, I think, had like six or eight guys go ahead of him. Um, granted, the Tom Brady six. Yeah, the Tom Brady yeah. six. So, 
you know, I, I think the, the story has obviously been writing itself to draw a very, very close parallel to Tom Brady, um, for better or for worse, but all credit to Mac Jones where, where credit is due. I mean, that offense is, is obviously been clicking more and more each week and it starts with him. Uh, I do think you're right. It's not necessarily like the most high caliber offense. I mean, they're probably their biggest name on offense is like Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith or something like that. Cause they guy they got guys like Kendrick Bourne and Damian Harris and stuff like that. I mean, it's not, they're not huge names, but that also means that they're cheap and that's classic Patriot football. It's, it's, you know, get supporting cast guys that know their role and can do their role. They're not going to break the bank. And then you can have depth at every position and you can have interchangeability and all that kind of stuff. And it is, it's smart. It's tactical football. Yeah. yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. I'm just looking now. I didn't realize that they're actually after a couple of years back on top of the AFC. Mm-hmm. Just like that. And so. tomorrow night, uh, at least here in the United States, early uh, early Tuesday morning for you will be uh, Monday Night Football, Pats, Bills, uh, the top two teams in game. arguably the AFC, but definitely obviously in the AFC East. Uh, and it's in it's in Buffalo. It's going to be cold and windy and just classic upper, you know, up upstate New York weather in the winter. So uh, it's going to be a slugfest and I am thrilled to be watching it. Uh, it'll be a great game. What's your score prediction? Um, well, if I was a betting man, which, uh, as episode one would, would entail, uh, I am. So I'm going to take the under, uh, and I'm probably going to go about, I want to say like 23, 20, and I'm not going to say who wins because I think it's that close. I think the overall score will be about 23, 20. Um, if the weather is as bad as I think it's going to be, if it's just like sheets of rain and they're going to have to pound the rock. Um, yeah, I think it could go that route, but, uh, if it clears up, look for Josh Allen to just hang one on the paths. I, I would not be surprised if he does. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I feel like that, does that just cover everything that we wanted to get through? I, what, what else? I feel like we've done pretty, I feel like we've done pretty well there. I mean, I don't want to keep everyone for longer than they have to be um, I like it. Yeah. Way. 30, 35 minutes. Uh, uh, we, uh, we trimmed off 20 minutes of our previous, we, we kept the boxing conversation it. out of it. That's really what it was. Yeah. 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 Talking about gypsies and, <laughs> and Jake Paul did take <laughs> a fair bit of time last that, week. Yeah, that definitely did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, brother. Big time. Well, we're going to have to catch up and do an Australian Football League chat. Yes. At some point. Yes. And try and explain everything that's going on there. That season will soon be upon us. I love that. Yeah. Just going to have to do that. Um, I'm going to send you the highlights from the cricket. Okay. And you can watch that. Yep. We'll have a little commentary yeah. on that. And um, by the time we record this next episode, not only there will there be a. Uh, king of formula one but there will also be a team crowned in uh the mls which is exciting so yeah yeah it'll be awesome yes they will yeah they will and uh and look out for we should do a live react to the formula one. Oh, should that we? is what we should do that i would yeah. yeah i'm up for that i think it's at like 9 a.m my time here so it's not bad on on a sunday you have to get up early don't you oh it'll be grim for me yeah 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 that would be good enough well, yeah. we'll talk but about that. It'll be worth it. Yeah. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. All right, brother. Cool, mate. I'm going to let you crack on. Thanks again for everyone for listening. Um, hopefully, 
we're starting to get into a bit of a rhythm of this and uh and you're enjoying it absolutely they keep on getting better and better and yeah thank you again everyone tuning into the yak and sam show this is uh ike signing off for sam and for myself episode two we'll see y'all next week